Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Three, two, one. Welcome into another edition of the Doyle and Derek podcast here at IndyStar, IndyStar.com. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Afternoons here locally, Fox Sports 1260 in the exciting world of AM radio. But the star of the show, as always, is Greg Doyle. I know he doesn't like to be referred to as the star, but he is the star of the show. He has his own section. If you're looking right now, IndyStar.com slash sports. He's the only person, you know, Nat, Kyle, uh, Jay Michael, Anybody else doesn't have their own section, but there is a Doyle link on there. So that automatically makes you a star, man, right? Yeah, I just don't like to admit it. I don't like to agree with it. <laughs> I, I like. Here's how it is with me. Um, I want to be – I'd like to be recognized around town, and it's not much, okay? I'm not Andrew Luck. Or, 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 sorry to use that name. I'm not Jacoby Brissett, but I want people to recognize me on site – but I don't want them to let me know that they recognize me on sides. Does that make sense? Like, I want to be a star. You I don't just don't want, want to have to acknowledge it. Okay. Because you don't like the small talk or because you're uncomfortable with the whole because, Greg Doyle star I'm uncomfortable thing. with the – right. The, when people approach – and it must happen to you sometimes too. People don't really approach you on, on equal footing. They approach you as, hey, you're – somebody and i'm not and let's t- and i just I, like don't i don't want to be in a position where i where it feels like i'm giving you my i'm bestowing my attention upon you because people approach you know yeah. maybe because they're just humble and they don't want to bother sure, you but yeah i just like nobody knows what i do for a living where i live and i don't want i don't want people to know i don't want because i don't want to be that guy i just want to be a guy i don't want to be that guy i want to be a guy but yes i am the guy with the name <laughs> on the website and i'm pretty happy about that i got my own app no one's ever clicking on it but i got it so i, I like to have all these accoutrements <laughs> just don't like to acknowledge it very much we got a ton to get to yes. today uh unfortunately i think we have to start with that putrid performance that we saw sunday at lucas oil stadium Ugh. wouldn't it be more fun to talk more about me and my star it, it would be actually yeah to talk about both of us getting recognized in public and all my wife hates that by the way and i love it I well think you've got great. such a look like there's nothing about up. my look that sticks out but your look i mean you've got a look right i mean yeah, people yeah, have so. to know See, I, I think everybody that's like 35 walking around's got a beard and glasses so i don't know if i'm that distinct looking but i think people can pick you out of the crowd for the most part but th- this game it reminded me greg a lot and you were here for a good chunk of it <laughs> it reminded me a lot of a chuck pagano afternoon didn't it oh. where it just no one was expecting them to play poorly i know that we talked about that being you know quote unquote a trap game because the raiders are coming off a couple of blowouts and the colts have been playing well and they've got the kansas city game looming but in the pros i don't think guys really get into the whole trap game thing. I think that's more of a prep and college thing. And they just looked out of sorts early. It doesn't matter who you are. If you spot somebody 14 points, you're in bad shape. This was a classic, yes, Pagano-era game where the Colts weren't ready and the game was kind of over from the beginning and the rest of the game was just a slog towards the final score. And, and just like in Pagano games of old, you knew the game would be closer than what it really was. And the final score would look one way, but... If you're writing a story or talking about it, you want to talk about it in a way that was not nearly as nice as 31-24 sounds because it didn't deserve to be talked about nicely. It was definitely a Pagano game. And and what's his name? Uh, what's his name? Reich afterwards said, called himself surprised and then actually said, no, no, I'm I'm shocked at that. Like, he, he didn't see it coming. Nobody does see it coming. But, yeah, that was ugly. That was uncharacteristically ugly. And the thing is about Reich is that you you give a guy like that one, 
I'll uh-huh. give I'll give him this one. Um, with Chuck, it was every damn week. I mean, it was every damn week, and it got to the point that I remember the New Orleans game several years ago. They were down twenty four nothing, ended up losing twenty seven twenty four. I think. And after the game, he was so proud of his team, and it was like I remember writing my column the next day. Mentioned you know orange wedges yeah. for everybody. They never quit, right? right? All that all that garbage. Yeah, I mean the other team let up, and you, yeah. you made it a game. And let's not pat yourself on the back for. You don't you don't you don't credit the tenor for clearing his throat. They didn't clear the throat that day. They threw up all over their shoes. <laughs> There's a lot to focus on negative wise, I, and because everybody had a piece in this. But you wrote about Eric Ebron, I think, because those drops were so high profile, um, and and him in his locker and and holding himself accountable. And we talked about it when you came on the show yesterday with with Jake and me about how he's a guy that he's so easy to root for. Right? He's got a great personality. He's got a big bright smile, a gregarious dude, friendly, funny, the whole deal. But this drops thing has just kind of followed him around his entire career. And while he can make the spectacular play, those drops, are they're just killer. You wish you could make those easy catches. Yeah, and, and he, this is who he is. Um, Sunday is not necessarily who he is because if, if that's who he is, he won't be here more than about two weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally, if he drops three or four passes a game three weeks in a row, he's gone. But that's not who he is. But who he is is a guy that you – that every time the ball, kind of like Vinny, maybe even still is now, where the ball's kicked up and now you kind of wonder, I, I better watch this extra point just to make sure it goes through. Yeah. Because with Vinny, for years, it was, I'm going to go take, go to the bathroom now. They're kicking an extra point. I don't need to see it. Mm-hmm. Now you got to watch. Ebron's that guy, a ball thrown his way. We're all watching like, okay, is he going to catch this one? And, and most times he does. It's just the question is that you have to even wonder. Like with T.Y., you don't wonder. Ebron, you wonder. He doesn't have a lot of self-awareness. I like him a lot, and the story I wrote was – probably too positive for some people, although I made it clear. I, I used the word stunk. I used the word terrible. I used a bunch of words, but I also made it clear that I like him a lot and that if we're going to kill him on social media as we are, and if we're going to do that D.I. blank blank thing and actually at him, I hate it when people <laughs> at pro athletes. Just talk about Ebron or talk about Luck or, well, Luck don't have Twitter, but talk about these guys, but don't at them. Don't don't at the ghost. Just just yeah. talk about them. He's good at defending himself, though, on Twitter. Have you seen him? He, no. he claps back at people. Does he? Oh, yeah. It's great, especially the Detroit fans, because Detroit fans, for some reason, are still obsessed with him, even two years after he's left. I don't know why. Yeah, that is weird, but he doesn't have a lot of self-awareness, Ebron, in that he, he was saying, like, this has never happened to me before, and, and he meant three drops, but he was also talking about drops in general. He wasn't acknowledging that in Detroit, that's who you were. You were the guy that we all watched on easy passes just to make sure that you actually didn't yeah. drop it. I don't think he fully took ownership of being a disappointment in Detroit, where I'm not saying it's all his fault. That organization isn't great, and I'm sure I'm not going to pretend to intimately know his situation there, but Ebron's got to wear some of that. He was the 10th pick overall, and he clearly did not live up to being the 10th pick. Some of it. And the thing that, that gives him some cover for the game Sunday, and should anyway, is that he wasn't – it wasn't like the team played really well, but dadgummit, he kept dropping. Like the other day, well, the first game of the year – the Colts win if Vinatieri had missed those kicks. One hundred percent. Yeah, and he says this loss is on me, and you know you hate agreeing with him, but he's right. It mm-hmm. is. This loss wasn't on Ebron. He was not good. He did not. He helped a lot. This loss happen. But my word, the list of people like the Colts. We we do a thumbs up and thumbs down. Jim Aiello or Joel Erickson, one of them does it after every game, and usually we do three and three. Even after losses, we it's even three thumbs up, three down. This one was two or three thumbs up, and one of them was the crowd because the crowd did force a couple uh, penalties late in the game. But there must have been nine thumbs down. And they could have used, probably because maybe maybe it was Joel did it and Joel was born with nine fingers. So maybe that's the only reason we only had nine. We could have had 14 if he'd bat that much of a mutant. <laughs> the defense stunk. Campbell stunk. Kane stunk. Max stunk. I know he was hurt. I mean, every, it, it's so much easier I, I, to identify everybody who stunk, right? Let's talk about Mac for a minute. 
let's talk about this. Mac was not good, and but he was on the sideline with his helmet on, trying to get back in the game. After the game, Reich told us ankle. Mm-hmm. We'll monitor it, and then Sunday he said ankle. Yesterday he clarified he could have played. He wasn't out of the game. He then said, I mean, Reich said this that yeah, we're going to the the, the shotgun. We're going to the hurry up, and Naheem is our guy for that. Naheem was the guy they gave the ball to on third and one. Mm-hmm. Naheem's not that guy. Marlon Mack got benched. Okay, there's. I mean, yeah, we can dress it any way we want to dress it, but Frank Reich basically admitted, yeah, Marlon Mack got benched. He was not good. Um, nobody. Jacoby was fine. Jacoby's numbers looked kind of mediocre, but if you factor in, he had at least five drops, at least five. His numbers are a whole lot better. I mean, they're they're night and day. But he did throw the game ceiling pick six. See, I actually think that his numbers, because of the seventy five yard drive, which was all passing yards and the touchdown in garbage time to Ebron, actually ended up looking better than how he played. I okay. agree with you about the drops, but I think I think Brissett struggled as well um, against that Raiders defense. And you know, going back to Mac, do you think it was a ineffectiveness thing do you think it was do you think there was any injury related aspect of that or do you think that the Colts were just using that to not turn this into like a firestorm I'm guessing I'm guessing that his ankle I'm guessing there was something there I don't Uh think they invented ankle pain but I think they're hiding behind it and then Frank Reich decided on Monday just to stop hiding and say you know what he just we just played Naheem because we were in a certain system or what I mean Naheem's and I like Naheem, and he ought to be better than what he's been, but he's done nothing all year. I mean, it's not like, yeah, well, you got to give the ball. I mean, Jordan Wilkins is the guy that every now and then will bust one. Naheem Hines was a college sprinter who who averages like three yards a touch. Mm-hmm. So you, you're not putting him out there because, well, we got to give Naheem a shot because, no, he hadn't done anything. And they still chose him over Mac. So there's there's a lot, there, there might be ankle soreness, but that was a benching. But I think it was a, a fourth quarter benching for ineffectiveness, which happens. And, um, you know, Mac's their guy, and I'm sure he'll start this weekend in Kansas City. Something to keep an eye on, uh, for sure, here, yep. here moving forward. Um, the defense, there's just really nothing to say about it. It was bad. Um, I, I think part of it is due to the fact that you don't have Leonard in the middle. So Okariki is just – he's playing because he has to play, right? He, he's, he's, a guy. Not, he's not ready to play. He's a guy. Uh, but he's playing because they have no other choice. They have to put a body out there. And Anthony Walker, I know we like Anthony Walker. He's a smart guy. If there is a bugaboo for him, he's not great in coverage. And that secondary, you take Malik Hooker out. Uh, Gathers is banged up again because it's another day that ends in Y. You feel for him, but my God, he's on the injury <laughs> report seemingly every week of yeah. every year of his entire career. But why have we seen the regression here, Greg? Because this was, am I right in saying, at the end of last year, this looked like a young, improving defense. They returned 10 of 11 starters. Yeah. And and how have they taken a step back? It doesn't make sense to me. No, it doesn't make sense to me either. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who on the front four is missing is there anybody missing on the front four that's any good? Sheared for the first couple of games, and he was, he was one there. of the lone bright spots on Sunday. Yeah, and he was there yesterday, and it didn't help him all that much. You know, Teray's taken a step up at times, but it was disappeared. There, there, there's not a strong like I, I talk about the front four not being very good, and and Leonard wasn't there, so the linebackers were not very good, but the secondary wasn't very good. There was nothing good. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was, it wasn't like yeah, this these guys were holding their own, but they were just let down by the interior pass rush. Nobody was any good, but the the front four for me specifically. Hasn't done anything all year, and apparently Houston, Justin Houston, um, I don't think you know we're not looking at we're not looking at um, uh, Joe Namath with the LA Rams. Uh, we're not looking at a guy that just fell off a cliff, but we're looking at a guy who clearly is is not what he was. And as I told you yesterday, once you're 
not what you were because of age, it doesn't come back. Like you don't mm-hmm. if you're young and you're you're banged up and so you're not quite like Malik Hooker doesn't quite have the explosiveness he has, but when he when he gets back, it ought to be there. Houston's explosiveness is gone and it's not coming back. You know who's kind of like that? His last year was Mathis, where it's not like he was a liability. He right. was still a capable player, but he wasn't the Robert Mathis that you remembered from the prime of his career. That's exactly. And we all, we all feared, if that's the right word, that you know, when they signed Houston, we all kind of thought, there's a guy with a great resume, mm-hmm. and that's a guy that could solve the problems. But I think anybody who looked at that logically thought, there's a chance that he's you know, done. Yeah. And I'm not, again, done's too strong a word, but he's like Okariki. He's he's on the field. He's a guy. He's not done, but he's just a guy. If memory serves, he hung out there on the free agent wire for a while, too, didn't he? Like a couple extra. He wasn't part of the first wave of oh, signings, I don't think. Not at all. So that kind of shows you maybe how other teams viewed him. Yeah, and the way Ballard has, has made it clear in, in not just deed, but in word, he'll tell us that he's not going to spend, he's not going to overspend for anybody. And I, that that day is going to change. Someday it's going to change. Mm-hmm. If, if just for one guy, there's going to be one guy out there that he thinks that guy's the difference. Our analytics say he's worth twelve million a year. We can get him for fourteen. We're getting him. He's going to do that someday. I am sure of it because what he's trying to do right now, there's no margin for error. Like if the if you're the New York Yankees back back in the day, just a couple years ago, and you could just go sign anybody you wanted at the trade deadline, it didn't matter if you had no farm system. Because then the next year you'll sign somebody else the trade deadline. Your 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 farm system is everybody else's major league club. Yeah, and there's no margin for error. I mean, there's a huge margin for error there. But if you're the Cincinnati Reds and your margin and you can't sign those guys and you can't trade for them, um, I guess yeah, you have no margin for error. You better hit every draft pick just right, and every every you know um, economic free agent better hit just right because if if any of them fall, it all falls apart. That's kind of where Ballard is with the Colts. But he's been so good that it hadn't hurt him yet, but he's doing everything very economically smart. The problem is if some of these guys, Houston, don't quite hit, hit like they're supposed to, uh, if Ture doesn't quite hit like, like they hope he does, if Paris Campbell isn't quite what they thought he was, Rocky Seen, there's no margin for error here. And that's kind of what's disappointing about what we've seen so far. The, the book is far from written on a lot of these young defensive guys, Houston aside, because he's a veteran player and he's done you know kind of what he's going to do in his career. But it's not like Chris Boward and the Colts haven't tried to invest a lot of capital in improving that defense with all the high-end picks that we, you know, Ture was a second-round pick, Tyquan Lewis was a second-round pick, uh, Leonard was a second-round pick, Malik Hooker was a first-round pick, uh, Quincy Wilson, remember him? Who's who's like, what, their fourth corner or whatever was a second-round pick. So was Yassine. How many second-round picks yeah. has this team had, for God's sake? <laughs> yeah, a lot of them. Uh, by the way, next year they have the Redskins' second-round pick from trading down to get Yassine, and that looks like that's going to be oh, almost a, a first-rounder. That's a late first-rounder. Because the Redskins stink right now. Um, but I, I just was hoping, Greg, that we would see a little more improvement. And you saw some flashes in – both L.A. and Nashville of a pass rush, especially in L.A. I thought they did a pretty good job against Phillip Rivers, honestly. And then the last two weeks, it has you, – you made, I think, the line of the day yesterday where they technically had a sack of Derek Carr. It was when he scrambled out of bounds for no gain, right? right. But technically, that's a sack. In, in reality, they've gone two weeks without a sack. But they gave, Can you believe they gave him a sack for that? It's they, ridiculous. And they actually gave it to a player. I forget who – whoever, whoever was, was closest. Whoever was closest. Is that what it, <laughs> and, and, and whoever it was, and I forget who it was, but – he did run him out of bounds. Like, like if that guy hadn't been there, um, the QB would have turned up the field and kept going. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was there, but still, yeah, no, no gain. We're going to give you a sack. That's a uh, orange wedges for everybody. It was, yeah. it was a, uh, who gave him that sack? Pagano? It's, yeah, proud of you and uh, poker chip and the whole deal, right? That, that's what you used to get from the, the old era there. So now they, they turn the page and go into Kansas City. Um, uh, hold on real quick while we're on Pagano. Yeah. 
we, see, we seem to always bring up Pagano, don't we? Well, like, but, <laughs> but this is more legit. You see what the Bears' defense is doing, mm-hmm. and they were doing it last year too. So let's not pretend that Chuck has turned it around. He's kept it going. That's great. Yeah. And, and Chuck, that might be what he's really good at. He might be a great DC. Who the hell knows? But with his win-loss record, and it's good, and with what the Bears are doing on defense this year, and it's going to continue being good because he got Khalil Mack, he will be a head coach in 2020 somewhere. I mean, you know that. Oh, I think absolutely he's going to be a head coach again at some point. Yeah, yeah I, I really do. Uh, he was given the keys to a Ferrari, and all he has to do is keep it in the center lane on Lakeshore Drive, really, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, that, that's all you have to do. Just keep it in between the lines. Um, so Kansas City, it, coming off a, a, a test from Detroit, I mean, they almost were defeated in that game, had to kind of come from behind and win late. But what's kind of your viewpoint heading into that game? Has it changed at all because of this Raiders game? Or I think we'd both agree this was going to be a tough sell regardless of what the Colts did against the Raiders going into Arrowhead against Pat Mahomes and company. Oh, yeah. This is a this is a game where – because they're off the following week. So this is a game where T.Y. Hilton doesn't play. Darius Leonard doesn't – I mean, I don't, they haven't announced it, but you have to believe all these guys that are banged up at all don't play because you can't win. You can't win at full strength. Not not there. Not not the way you're playing. Not the way they're playing. Not on the road. You know, not with a cat. Not with the hat. Not with green eggs and ham. You can't beat them. You cannot do it. So why would you risk anybody? Tyquan Lewis. Anybody who's been banged up. So they're gonna they're gonna go. This is gonna, we're gonna see the Colts split squad B team, and they're gonna get crushed. And I gotta be there. Dead gummit. It's an eight twenty kickoff or something. Which my, my deadline's like eleven thirty, and, <laughs> and so my story's gonna absolutely suck. And uh, anyway, I, I'm gonna go there. I, I'd start. In fact, I'm gonna start. As soon as we're done talking here, I'm gonna start writing my story because the game's over. It's already over. Wow. It's over. See, uh, okay. You know, I I mean, anything's possible. Look at what we just saw last Sunday in the NFL. You, Carolina went to Houston and won. The wait, Raiders wait, wait, came wait, here wait, and won. Wait, wait. Houston ain't case. The Patriots didn't cover. Houston's not Kansas City. Uh, yeah, glass half full, but I, I think anything's fine. I, I don't think that the Colts – I don't fully disagree with you, Greg. I don't think that the Colts are approaching it as a we can't win, so we're going to sit Hilton. I, I think it's just – it's smart to approach it as I can buy an extra two weeks for Hilton if he doesn't go in this game, regardless of who the opponent is. Oh, yeah, let me tell you, when I was covering the Marlins uh, back in 97 – and there's a reason that I'm bringing up a 97 baseball reference. Jim Leland, no, it's 96. Jim Leland's managing the Pirates. And the Marlins, uh, the, the game's out, it was like 8 nothing early, and, and, and Leland pulls like his best three players. Just pulled them. And I wrote, the next, I wrote that day in the, in the paper the next day that he waved the white flag and, and called surrender. And somebody at Pittsburgh summoned me and said, Jim Leland would like to speak to you. And so they brought me into the Pirates clubhouse, and Jim Leland proceeded to talk to me alone in his office and just let me know. Was he smoking heaters in there while you were in there? Oh, yeah. Of course, Leland ended up covering the, uh, managing the Marlins the following year, and I was still covering him, and Leland liked me and actually hit me balls off the Green Monster one time. Wow. Before a game. Yeah. When they were out there taking BP, Leland's hitting me balls off the Monster. So, I mean, I got along with him great, but that was the first time he ever taught me a lesson. The lesson was we have 162 games, and – you're down eight nothing. You're probably not going to win. It's not about losing this game. I'm not trying to lose today. Is what he said. I'm trying to win the next week. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just got to. That's how you approach it. So that's what I'm saying with the Colts. Is they're not trying to lose. They're not. They're not conceding defeat against KC if they don't play these guys. But they've got uh, eleven games after that. They're trying to win. Why risk eleven games on on Ty Hilton's you know quad or hamstring or whatever is hurting? Silver lining. Houston, as I brought it up, lost. So everybody's two and two. So at worst, you'll be in a one-game hole after that game, as opposed to a, a two-game hole. Oh yeah, seven and nine might. You know, this is the AFC West circa oh, 2012, whenever the mm. Cardinals won the thing at eight and eight. That's what we're looking at because who's good in this? Con- I mean, who's good? Who's 
Houston might be good. Probably not. They're I mean, they're all mediocre. So mediocre. And there's only four teams. It's all. It's not like you, they finish first out of four. They can still finish first out of four in this conference in this division. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at the rest of the AFC outside of Kansas City and New England, and I'm like, who's good? Nobody. And what? You know, where, where are the good teams? Where are the good teams in the NFC? Everybody how, lost last week. How about Gardner Minshew mania, though? Yeah, it's great. It is great. Yeah. And are you aware of what happened at Ron Colley last week? No. So Ron Colley was homecoming week for Ron Colley, and so every week, every day they have a different day. They, the kids get to dress up because they have a dress code, and they're but this one week they cut loose. And one one day it was superhero day, and so I'm friends with Bob Tolley, who's the former football coach, and um, he's an administrator over there. I actually go to his house every week and bum coffee off him and his wife Mary Pat. So he was telling me that they had superhero day, and all the kids were wear a lot of the kids were wearing these gaudy, awful mustaches, and nobody knew who they were. And so different teachers kept asking different kids, "Who are you?" And the answer kept coming back, Gardner Minshew. He that on on superhero day. That's kids, hilarious. Kids in India are dressing as Gardner Minshew. Yeah. Right. A, a thousand miles away or whatever. Mania. Yeah, that is crazy. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what to make of Tennessee. Tennessee does this every single year, it feels like, where you write them off and then they come back and then you write them off and then they come back. Um, I still think Houston, pound for pound, is the best team because I think they've got the best quarterback and the best high-end talent. But you're right, Greg. I mean, um, I think 9-7 and seven definitely takes it, and I think there's a chance that you could have an 8-8 eight and eight division champion via tiebreak. Yeah, yeah, because the, the the bottom, whoever the bottom is, all four of them, nobody's so bad that you know you're going to win. There's not a single game in this division you say, well, that's a win. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they're you're not good enough to say that, and they're not quite bad enough to say that. So every game could be a toss-up. So, yeah, I mean, 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, for sure. If anybody's better than 9-7, I'll be stunned. Yeah, Just stunned. I, I will too. I mean, I, I guess if Houston or the Colts really got going. but I, Yeah, I mean, Deshaun Watson could get going. He could, and J.J. Watt could. could. I mean, it'd be an 8-4 and four finish at this point, so you'd be winning – you know, I wasn't a math major at IU. You'd be winning, what, two-thirds of your games? I mean, could J.J. White stay healthy for a year? That, too. Yeah, and yeah. that that's always kind of – and can Watson stay healthy behind that line? He, I saw that he's still the most hit quarterback in the league through the first four weeks of the season. Unbelievable. Andrew so, Luck retired, and he, but Andrew Luck's ghost stays in the division. It's now in Houston. You cool with the perfect season-long suspension? Yeah, because of who he is. You know, mm-hmm. it's not had, – had that been – had that been Dwight – Dwight uh, – Dwight? Anthony Walker? Anthony Walker. <laughs> Who's Dwight Walker? Dwight I told you I Freeney? Dwight Freeney. Maybe. <laughs> Had that been Anthony Walker, he's not getting suspended for nine, uh, you know, 10, 11 games. It's not going to happen. But Burfick's got a track record, and you you escalate the, the suspension as it goes on. So, yeah, I'm totally cool with that. That was It wasn't just the helmet-to-helmet, but if you, you, know, you watch the, the replay, and it's the helmet-to-helmet, and the forearm is also extended. I mean, he was trying to hurt somebody. And it's amazing that Jack Doyle's not hurt. Thank God. Amazing. Yeah. But Burfick's a bad guy. I mean, he's... You know, you got bad guys at different levels. You got bad guys criminal division, which is definitely worse than what happens in the football field. But he's trying to hurt somebody, and we've seen this game that brain damage leads to. You know, look at the Jim Webster story at Pittsburgh. I mean, brain damage is anyway. It's terrifying. So perfect needs to go away and never be heard from again. Yeah, and at some point the NFL's got to be like, look, we've we've given them a one game suspension, a two game suspension, a four game suspension, ten, twenty, fifty thousand dollars. At, at some point, you just got to throw your hands up in the air and say, just go home for the rest of the year. And, and I know that the NFLPA and all that, they'll appeal, and, and we'll see if it ends up being season long. But, you know, I, I was hoping that Vontaze Perfect would just get ejected from the planet instead of just the league because I just can't stand that. Well, dude. he was blowing kisses as he yeah, left the he's field. he's just the worst. Yeah, you know, he knows is, exactly what he did. Right. And, there's no self. There's no contrition at all, no. so it's not – yeah. You know, sometimes guys do helmet to helmet, and then they're they're like crumpled on the ground with the player that they did that to. You right. know, like oh god, I'm, I'm so sorry, what happened? 
Um, let's talk college football as well. I want to get to some NCAA stuff uh, coming up a little bit later on in the conversation, but you were up at West Lafayette. Um, your first time seeing Purdue live, right? This year, yeah. Yeah, and um, look, not a good afternoon for Purdue, and, and really this just feels like a season, Greg, that is just not going to get off the ground for them at 1-3. and three. Yeah, you know, Purdue basketball has this happen all the time. Um, you know, injuries happen in March. It's just amazing how many, how many times they've had that happen to them when Purdue fans know what I'm talking about, but this was peak Purdue. This was they're already without their best two defensive players, middle linebacker and defensive tackle, best two guys on defense, and now their best two guys on offense and probably their best two players overall got hurt on the same play and got hurt for the same – because Rondell Moore went down 15 yards down the field, Sindelar was rolling his way. That was the guy he was throwing it to. Mm-hmm. He was gone, so Sindelar had to eat the ball and got tackled from behind and his clavicle's broken. What I find interesting about yesterday is that Jeff Brom said that Sindelar broken clavicle and he's not sure he's done for the year. You know, that's not the interesting part. The interesting part is that Rondo Moore is definitely missing the Purdue, uh, the Penn State game this weekend, but he and but he said he hopes he's not done for the year. That's a big. You know you're missing one week, and you hope yeah. you're not missing the next three months. That something weird is happening there, and, and maybe it is just one week. Okay, but also what it could be is that Rondo Moore is you know Sindelar might play in the pros. He's he's got an NFL arm. You know he might be on a roster somewhere. Kind of like Blau's on a roster right mm-hmm. now, but Rondo Moore is a first round pick. And I wonder, are they? They're just not sure what to say yet because of the money at stake. Because you can't hide, and I don't know that it's catastrophic. I don't know, but you can't hide it. But I just wonder why is the window so big? It looked terrible, terrible. Uh, and Purdue, you know, in college, it's a little bit easier to kind of hide behind generalities and all of that. Okay. But yeah, getting giving a, a one week to three month timetable is a little bit odd. But it, it's very. You talk about how Purdue it is, and I've got Purdue fan friends, and and this just what a. A, a, a horrible slight from the football gods that you could have this transcendent talent like Rondale Moore, and he's going to graduate in three years. So I, I don't know if he's going to go right to the NFL, but he will be ready to go if he can. He's in the three-year program there. Wouldn't it be a slight to only get Rondale Moore, a healthy Rondale Moore, for two and a quarter years? Because that's what it would be if the worst happens here and Moore's out for the year. Yeah, and, and the season was already going badly anyway, in part because the other injuries I mentioned on defense, but you know, if you had said in the preseason back in early August, hey, after two games, Elijah Sindelar is going to have lead the country in passing yards. After two games, you'd think, okay, this is going to be a hell of a season at Purdue. Mm-hmm. If Sindelar's throwing for 500 yards in week two, and if he's got 900 yards in two games, this team's going places, and this team's not going anywhere. And it probably wasn't going anywhere anyway. But then you lose Sindelar for the year, and Plummer's fine, but he's not Sindelar. And you lose Rondo Moore for however long. You Marcus lose him. Bailey out for the year, as you mentioned, Lorenzo defensive Neal, captain. Yeah, still not coming back yet. David Bell is, you know, we'll see how long he can stay healthy. Bless his heart. So I, it's just a, it's a, it's a mess. And this is not a year that you could have seen coming. And and because Jeff Brom has a track record, a small one, but he's got one. You don't think that is he the wrong guy? I mean, no one's wondering. Like at IU, they're still kind of wondering. Is Tom Allen the guy? Well, he mm-hmm. gets over the over. The, I mean. Brom's the guy, but so this season's just so out of character. Silver lining, you're going to have to play a lot of young players like Bell you just mentioned and Plummer. Uh, so you've got so much talent in the freshman and sophomore classes. Hopefully you'll get them some meaningful playing experience this year. This was always going to be a transition year, Greg. They might have made the you know Little Caesars or CarQuest Bowl or Blue Bonnet or whatever the hell, but this was always going to be like a six-ish win year at best, I think, especially with the way that the schedule was. Um, I think 2020 and moving forward, they'll be okay. You mentioned Allen. Um, you know, Indiana had a very Indiana loss. Is that breakthrough ever going to come, though? I mean, we keep waiting. We keep knocking on the door. I saw Tom Allen say in the press conference, uh, you know, this is different and, you know, believe in us and the whole deal. But, man, it feels like Indiana fans have been believing for 
50 years and the breakthrough never really comes for them. Yeah, I, I mean, I could go negative, and I've got a reason to go negative. We can get there in a minute if you want to. But Michael Penix is different. I mean, he's just different. You know, the quarterback is obviously the most important player on the on the field at any level, and Penix is different and different in a great way. So I think the breakthrough is going to come. Now, the breakthrough doesn't mean they're going to break through and then just keep on winning, but they're going to have a day like this, and they're going to beat somebody because Michael Penix is just going to put a team on his shoulders and say, here we go, guys, jump, hop aboard, and they're going to do it. So he's that good, and they have talent around him. So I, there's no hope. There's no loss of hope. However, you know, when I used to see this in, in, in college, and mainly in basketball, but you'd see certain coaches acting a certain way, freaking out and being just, you know, just completely unhinged, and, you'd, and that those same teams would kind of lose their composure down the stretch, and you'd wonder, are you, are you a, uh, an extension of your coach on the court? Huh, has Indiana had any coaches like that who were real – in basketball? Yeah, who were real eccentric on the sidelines and maybe clapped a whole lot. Right. And then... Well, do they have one in football right now? Yeah. I don't know if you saw this. I did. Um, Tom Allen was trending on Twitter most of Saturday afternoon. And I didn't, you know, I, I saw that and thought, huh. So I go, you know, you click on Tom yeah, Allen. Yeah, and it brings up all the And it brings tweets. all up. And, mm-hmm. and it was, it wasn't universal. There were some people that liked it. But the entire reason he was trending is the way he was behaving on the sideline. Just his, how antics, his antics. You know, he's very yeah. high energy. He's Tom Crean-like. And it's not what you're used to seeing. Even even in football, which is a more high-energy sport with coaches and they, they've got more freedom to roam and get angry and all that than basketball coaches have, Allen's different. He's different. And he's he's different in a way that I guess if you're going 10-2, and two, I, I guess you could like it. I guess. Maybe it's just the way I'm wired. I don't want to see a head coach doing that ever. I don't care how good you are. That's not, that's not what you yeah. do. Different strokes for different folks for sure, but I, I kind of am with you the whole uh, it, it screams – amateur to me uh when when the coaches really get into it and what i've always worried about greg is i really like tom allen great guy he's he's fun to talk to and and he's you know his energy is contagious it really is i just don't want this to be bill lynch i know you weren't here for bill lynch but bill lynch part two where bill lynch was a a very good lower level college coach he's at DePaul now and then he ended up being the head coach because of uh, the, the terry hepner tragic passing from brain cancer and they ended up going to a bowl game the first year, but Bill Lynch was out of his depth. He just wasn't a Big Ten head coach, and that's just what I worry about with Allen, and I think a lot of IU fans are wondering, is this guy, we know he's a good coordinator, and we know he's been a successful coach, including a high school coach, is this guy a big-time Big Ten football head coach? Right, it's, uh, it's a pyramid. You know, however good you are, the pyramid at the bottom obviously is fat, and it gets smaller and smaller as you go higher up, and there's a point at the very top, and that's where the really good coaches are. But meanwhile, most coaches drop off somewhere along the ride of the pyramid. They they fall off. And so far, the early returns are that that, that pyramid is not going to be kind to the legacy of Tom Allen, that he was he keeps rising up that pyramid, but he's falling off. And and I I don't know if this is just because I don't, you know, different strokes for different, stroke, different, for different folks, as you say. But I just I do not like watching the coach do what he does on the side. I don't mm-hmm. like it, and I can't I can't pretend I do like it. And it, it makes it hard for me to believe in what I'm watching when I see that. Because what it screams to me, and the Lord knows this is not an insult, it's just in context, it screams to me high school coach. Yeah. It screams high school coach. Yeah. And he was a great high school coach. Mm-hmm. And it worked in high school. And I love high school coaches, but they're not coaching IU. No. And there's a reason they're not coaching IU, because there's we all have different places that were perfect. And I wonder if he was perfect at Ben Davis. And Ohio State and Michigan State, fine. You're not going to win those games. Cool. Everybody's good with that. If you're pulling those antics and you lose to Northwestern at home or you lose to Rucker or Maryland or somebody like that, then 
that's when people really are going to have a problem with it. I mean, I, IU is judged on the games that they can win, and, and normally at Michigan State is a game that Indiana is not going to win. Yeah, but this is a year where they're – I mean, I think they're going to get to a bowl game. I do too. I sure. really I really do. I'm and I, I feel terrified about that, Greg, because every time I, I'm convinced that they're going to get to a bowl game, they go 5-7. and seven. Yeah, but they're beating Purdue this year. And j- just look at the trajectory of both, but, you know, Purdue – now I'm assuming Moore's – out for the year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We we know Sindelar's out. I just don't know how you know Purdue is if you're Ohio State or Alabama or if you're a you know big time program that's been recruiting at high level for years and years, you can miss literally four of your best six players. And and you will you'll have a drop off, but your drop off goes from eleven and one to nine and three. At Purdue your drop off when you lose I mean those are the four best players probably well maybe four Bailey Neal, Moore and Sindelar are four of their top six. The other two being Carlaftis and um uh, Bell. And probably Bell's the sixth best. So that, that four of their top five players are out. You, if you're Purdue, you go from six and six to three and nine. Mm-hmm. So that's where that seems to be going. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree there. It looks like it's going to be a long season there in West Lafayette. Um, the NCAA, just in general, uh, the, the news out of California approving the governor signing off on endorsements and all of that. Um, I'm not sure by the time people hear this, will this be your co- new column be posted on IndyStar? Or? Uh, it'll, it'll be posted around the time. So if you're not, if it's not up yet, come back look for it soon because I got I've talked to, uh, you know, I covered college sports since 1997, so that's what 22 years. So I mean, I know a lot of people and. Uh, so I've got a lot of phone numbers. I've talked to a lot of folks. I've talked to coaches. I've talked to ads. I've talked to conference commissioners. I've talked to NCAA. I feel like I'm, I'm leaving somebody. Oh, I talked to some. I talked to the head of officials of NCAA, a former guy. Um, they're all terrified. They know it's coming. They know that they have to. California forced their hand. The NCAA is going to allow licenses and images to be compensated. They're going to, but only because California said you have to. Mm-hmm. Because what the NCAA they have two choices right now. Two, they can either a keep their laws, their rules the way they are and literally kick California out of the organization because you can't have you can't recruit against California now. You can't. They can tell kids, "Hey, come here and we'll get you a, you know, we'll put your your, your face will be on a billboard for a local lawyer for $5,000 or you can go to IU and for nothing." Well, where's that kid going? He's going to UCLA. So they they either A, kick California out of the whole damn association, which is not going to happen, or B, they do what they said they were going to do yesterday in their statement, which said, "We are we are going to change our rules. We're trying to find a reasonable way to do that." But nobody even knows what those new rules are going to look like. And it's the un- unintended consequences that, that always kill you. And I'm telling you, this is five years from now, ten years from now, we're going to look back and, and, and realize what I'm telling you right now. This, this is the single biggest event that's happened in college sports ever. This will change it more than realignment. It'll change it more than the transfer portal. It'll change it more than SMU's death penalty. This is the single biggest thing that's ever happened as far as changing the way everything's done in a negative way oh yeah oh absolutely yeah because on the one hand players should get paid absolutely the game has changed in the 50s when coaches were, were hell look at put it this way 1976 i lived in norman oklahoma with my parents guess who is our neighbor my and my dad was a low-level attorney like low-level you know making nothing uh, around the corner, I hung out at his house and I saw I saw a uh, armadillo on his back porch one day, and the kids all gathered. Barry Switzer, really, really, <laughs> Barry Switzer. He was wow. in the middle of winning national championships at OU. Uh, he was a god, the god of the state. Could have run for governor, right? Lived in my neighborhood, uh. and, and we were not silver spoons. So that's how it was in '76. And of course, now look at it. Uh, coaches don't live in gated communities; they own the gated community. Yeah, and th- the money's crazy. And it's just not right that 
a kid like Zion Williamson literally gets the same room and board that some kid in the 50s got. It's just not right. Mm-hmm. So having said that, it's the unintended consequences. And it's the there's no one that has ever known how to pay these guys and not have it ruin the sport. Because once you let once you let all these boosters who own car dealerships and construction companies and insurance companies and whatever, once you let all these guys legally get their hands on players and say, here's some money for you to represent, it's over. I mean, they're cheating already, but now it's over. But isn't there already a gap? I mean, if Alabama or Ohio State or Clemson really wants a guy, don't they already? Don't all the good players already funnel to six, seven, eight, ten schools, especially in football? Yeah, but I, you know, just like the the top one percent can get even richer, and the bottom ninety percent can get even poorer. Like, there's always been a top one percent, and there's always been. But what was that movement that came out a couple years ago? The ninety nine percent, the nine percent. Oh, the. Uh, Oh, I thought you were talking about the Northwestern Unionization no, no, thing. In, 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 the real in, world, politics. in politics. Okay, there yeah, yeah. There, like, there's Not the been, 1% hashtag was floating around, I think. Yeah, there's always yeah. been that. But but now the gap is so enormous that, that everybody else is miserable. And they, and we're talking about socialism. We're, you know, the, the, the game has changed that way, too. So, yes, there's always been a gap. But to hide behind, there's always been a gap. Yeah, well, SHIT can get worse. And it's about to get worse. I just think, Greg, that... Overall, the consequences will there be consequences for the sure? It's it's a major change. I'm not disputing that it's a major change, but all of this money right now, we know that there is corruption that already exists. We know there's a wide gap that already exists. Um, would you be able to have a booster go and and kind of legalize this whole thing and open up Pandora's box? Yeah, there's a chance, but. There are also some positives here. If Michael Penix wants to go shoot commercials for a Bloomington Ford dealership, he can, and he can put a little money in his pocket. If I'm a music major at IU, I could go play a gig at Nick's English Hut if I want to on a Friday night and pocket 100 bucks. So, you know, we have rules for the athletes, but we don't have rules for literally anybody else that's a college student. Yeah, but those are two different arguments. I love the fact that they're going to get some money, but this this way they're going to get it. Had the NCAA been willing to bend 10 years ago and give these guys find a way to pay them somehow had they we wouldn't be where we are now which is where it's you know if you don't bend you don't bend you don't bend eventually you're going to break and this is going to break and you know that we the day is coming and it's been we've all seen it coming um just like we all saw realignment coming five years before it happened we we see the day is coming where the NCAA division one college basketball will not have 350 schools it's just not going to happen mm-hmm. and probably college football will not have 120 it's going to be 60 or 70 in college hoops. And it's just the day's coming. That, that's changing. And that's a seismic, enormous change. People can't wrap their brains around. But that day's coming. This right here will accelerate that day. In, 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 like it was creeping this way and it might have taken 40 years. But we were obviously going to get there someday. That day's a lot sooner now. I would just rather, and, and maybe this is me living in a Pollyanna world, but I would just rather have this happen and adjust to it accordingly because there are going to be some adjustments to make than keep the system the way that it is where all of this money is just funneled. It, kids aren't exploited, okay? I, I, I don't agree with the word exploit. I don't think student-athletes are exploited. Um, I think they, they do get a lot of perks. They do get a stipend, um, you know, room and board. All, all of those things are value that they are getting back. It's just people like Zion Williamson in this 1%, those are the ones that actually could make some more money off their name and likeness, and we're not allowing them to do so. And, and, and I try to be kind of a free market person, and if the market dictates that you know, a Durham dealership wants to have Zion shoot their commercials, I, personally, I'm cool with it. But I, I, get, 
I get the concerns. I just worry that people are just shut off to everything else and shut off to the positives because they are they're they're pearls clutching. You know what I mean, Greg? Like the commissioners and the coaches, they're they're so concerned about this. You know, did Purdue ever you compete see, with Ohio State? You see, don't don't you see some names here? I do. Yeah. Okay, you see. Look at that. This is my text messages. So you see the names, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to tell you which one of these guys said this, and we're not going to say. But these are head coaches. Yeah. And you recognize all their names, regionally and nationally. Yes. And and one answer of the. I, I said well, in a long text, hey, I'm trying to write about this. I don't know what I don't know. Tell, tell me about – you have anything smart to tell me, insight you need to consider? One guy said um, to not have a ca- – okay, I'd like to see a balance where players can benefit on likenesses, et cetera, but to not have a cap on this would be the end of college athletics. That's one of those coaches said that. And the cap is where it's interesting. So do you say, okay, you guys can, can do endorsement deals and you can do this and that, Maximum five thousand a year, maximum ten thousand, max whatever. But if the NCAA, why, why are they going to be allowed to cap it? Yeah, you're right. Because California or whatever would just come back and be right. like, "We're not putting a cap on this." What are if, you talking about? If they can't cap, it's a free it, market, right? And if they can't cap it, put it this way: if you're if you're an athlete in Washington, and Washington and Washington State, the, the, Washington doesn't get every player they want. Washington mm. State gets a lot of them, right? I mean, Washington State's better in football right now. I think I could be wrong. Anyway, um, Washington is in Seattle. Four million people. Washington State's in Pullman, 30,000. It's As one coach told me that you saw here on my list of text messages, one coach compared this to free agency in the NBA. Players don't come to Indianapolis. They want a bigger market. We're going to start seeing that in college sports where they – why would you go to Pullman with 30,000 people I, and, and I, one car dealership I, when no, Seattle's and, got – I completely understand that, Greg, but let's face it. The Pacers and Knicks and the Pacers and Lakers, the gap already exists. Purdue and Ohio State, if a kid is choosing between Purdue and Ohio State, regardless of whether you get endorsement money or not, you know, 99 times out of 100, they're not even competing with the same kid because it's Ohio freaking State. Right, but the gap exists in a lot of ways. Like, you can be in a company where one guy makes 200 grand, one guy makes makes 40 grand. Well, five years from now, if the top guy's making five hundred grand and the last guy's making fourteen dollars a yeah. year, it just got worse. Yeah, the gap was always there, but it just got worse. This gap has always been there; will always be there. It's about to get worse in a way that's going to break this thing. I'm fascinated to see how it plays out because oh, I, I think it'll be really interesting oh, yeah. to see where we go. Because you're right; I mean, now that California has opened this up, there's just the the NCA. There's nothing they can do about it. It's completely forcing their hand. So check that out, uh, IndyStar.com on the app, uh, the Doyle app, the Doyle section. Um, I'm surprised Doyle doesn't have his own wing somewhere over here. Just the Doyle wing. Oh, we've, you know, we've got your own everything here. You know, we got the the, the, the star, <laughs> the, the the sign outside the vertical that has the Indy Star in, in letters. Yeah, below yeah. at night, yeah. they're changing that to Greg Doyle. Yeah, let's just do that. <laughs> let's, let's just go ahead and do that. We'll have that be your Twitter timeline photo in the background. Uh, at Greg Doyle Star at Schultz uh, nine seven five Fox Sports twelve sixty in the afternoons. Greg, we'll do it again next week. Thanks, man. All right, Derek. Thanks.